welcome to the Sunday Night Hell Show podcast. Does your mind ever stop or is it on repeat or does it just yap, yap, yap? Tonight we are talking about Mind Yap with Kindy Gill, facilitator at Dalian School for Health and Consciousness. Also, did your Christmas dinner plans grind to a halt because of Omicron? Many people did and my guest shares his heartfelt COVID Christmas story. The Sunday Night Hell Show podcast starts now. Does your mind ever stop or is it on repeat? Just going yap, yap, yap. It's a pretty common situation for many people. Joining me on the line from Vancouver, British Columbia. She's a facilitator at the Dalian School for Health and Consciousness and CEO and inspirational leader. She's a mother of three and nurturer of many. Kindy Gill joins me on the line. Good evening, Kindy. Good evening, Maureen. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Happy I'm holidays good. to you. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. So, you know, I hear of this. <laughs> People's minds just going. In fact, one time I went to an event and I said to somebody, "What what is everybody doing here? What are they what are they doing?" They were all just being extremely quiet, which is so not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh she said uh, they're trying to quiet their mind. But, and, and to be, I am being completely honest here. And I said, what if there's nothing in your mind? <laughs> I think I actually, it all leaves me, but no, that's not true through my mouth. <laughs> um, no, but sometimes I can relate to that. In fact, I just said to a friend, you know, but to be honest with you, every morning I'm waking up and I, early and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done about something in particular? And, yeah. um, you know, about a decision that I've made recently. And uh, so I I do understand that. And and it is that kind of self-talk that's in your head. You're having this conversation, you know, um, whether, whatever, it's just going, as you describe, yap, 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 what you call mind yap. So pardon my description of my own, but what (laughs) generally is mind yap? Um. It's actually, it's actually quite an amusing feature, to be honest, because in some ways we don't really need the uh, entertainment of the entertainment industry itself if we start paying attention to what our head is doing. Um, but you know how you just described you might have made a decision and then the next morning it's still replaying in your head? Well, an element of the decision that you've made may have felt incomplete, like there was either some degree of doubt that arose and therefore it's replaying in your mind or it was incomplete in the sense that you weren't completely authentic in the moment and you hadn't shared exactly what you felt or in the way that you should have felt or in the way that it was really, really honest for you and you'd held back in some way. So the conversation's still playing around because it's unfinished. Um, So it can be a whole range. It could even be something that is transpiring around you that isn't necessarily yours but you've now borrowed because it's in the air around you and therefore it's permeating its way through you as it moves and travels out and around. So thoughts can come from all over the place, but typically they do relate to some degree of unfinished business. You're... Can't hear Whoops. you now, Maureen. That was... That was... That <laughs> little technical problem here. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I'm not exactly sure what's happening. That is my mind yap, I guess. 
<laughs> That's okay. I can hear you still now. Okay, perfect. Um, you know, it's exactly um, what you described. Um, it, you know, it's and that's why I have this show to get therapy for myself, basically. So thank you very much. for that. <laughs> um, but it is exactly uh, that like you just think, yeah, there's some doubt and there's some uncertainty. There is also some fear of the unknown. Oh, you know, is this the right decision? What are the consequences? You know, have I thought of all the consequences? Mm-hmm. And, and it's I, I think that's that self-doubt kind of a thing. And is that what um, occurs? Well, self-doubt is definitely part of it. I mean, the first and most poignant error that we seem to make, and for our mind it's almost impossible for it to ever cave in and accept this, is to actually accept that the mind knows nothing. Um, And because it knows nothing, it has to yap a lot because it can't predict what's going to come out and happen this afternoon. It can't even predict what's going to happen in the next minute. And so because, because of that an overwhelming sense of uncertainty that it has to reside in, it has this approach that sort of says, I have to be in a protective mechanism against this big unknown, rather than, mm-hmm. I'm, rather than I am here to move with the unknown. And because I don't know, I will be more curious right. and open-minded to learn as I move into the unknown. It's an attitude change, right? But that attitude can't arise unless you stare at the black wall in the way that you need to stare at the black wall and recognize that it's a black wall. So until we come to that realization that says we do not know, fact, period, we can never know anything about what is about to unfold because it's in the unknown and it can't be seen. Unless we're prepared to actually acknowledge that fact, our ability to start dealing with the contents of our head and sort of start laughing at some of them doesn't arise as readily because we get so identified with the terror, the fear, the mistake, the worry, I might make a mistake, the consequences, all these types of things that otherwise haunt us. Now, now, it haunt haunt us is a, is actually a great description because this can haunt people in the middle of the night or just and and in fact it's pretty common that people mm. lie down they they're not distracted they're not having the chronic busyness of the day they lie mm-hmm. down they lie down with their thoughts perhaps and yeah. the mind starts does it start racing for some people it does. I mean, that Thinking certainly used to be my case because I'm, I'm a fairly logical woman. And when I was running my business with a lot of people that were working for me, as the chief executive, it felt like I had the responsibility for everyone, like the entire organization was on my shoulders sort of thing. So the right. only time I would get to hear my thoughts would be at night because during the day I would be so action-based that the entire day was just filled with activity after activity after activity. So there was no time or grace to ever slow down to understand that my my head was up to anything. And then when I would go to bed, which would ordinarily be the time to rest, then the mind would start retracing the steps of everything it had just been through. And what I just referred to earlier would start happening Anything that was unfinished from the day where I hadn't actually been completely authentic would raise again its ugly head. 
anything that I felt doubt over where I thought I could fail with the decision I'd made or I felt like I'd taken a risk too big or where I felt like I hadn't really been objective enough about all the consequences, all of that would race around. Any issues arising in the home to do with things that were affecting my health or affecting my family members that couldn't be controlled, they would surface. So it's because I hadn't had the chance to process any of that during the day that they would surface at night. And we get told many, you know, we get told many, many tips on how to try and help ourselves to sleep better, uh, ranging from trying to count numbers backwards or counting sheep or putting our attention elsewhere. But what I've found over the years is to actually understand what the thoughts are about is a great start point to start watching them dissipate and dissolve because we only give them a lot of attention when we actually think they deserve a lot of attention. And when we begin to see them in a completely different light, then you know like how if we were standing on the side of a roadway and watching the cars race by and you've got a green one and a yellow one and a white car and a white car and a white car and a white car and then a black car and then a green one, we would literally just see the cars racing by on the runway and notice it as as insignificantly as that, like a white car went by and a silver car's gone by and now a black one's gone by. But with our own thoughts, we don't think of them as, oh, this one's just raced by, this one's just raced by, this one's just raced by, and treat them as insignificant. Instead, we give them so much priority and we sort of, get on the treadmill somehow and then sort of round the merry-go-round we go chasing these things around and we fuel a lot of our doubt by giving it more energy Um, and it's sort of like you know that how the gerbil is on that hamster wheel we sort of are on the wheel but we can't get off of it and it's our fueled energy that gives it so much attention and priority that causes that to happen. And, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, are the automatic thought, and, and there are these automatic negative thoughts as well. Um, yeah. we all, I often say this in my Irish family, why are you going to worst case scenario? But, <laughs> I, but I've learned through my clinical practice that a lot of people go to worst case scenario. And I think that's part of that uh, racing mind, perhaps at night or in the middle of the night or early in the morning, that, that as you mentioned, self-doubt or negative consequences, or what if something bad happens? Does it help at all to shift it and think, hey, what if this works out great? This could be the best decision of my life. <laughs> you know, does that help with settling the mind? It can, it can settle the mind if you genuinely believe the alternative sentence that you've just come up with. So if you've got, if you've just had, like say for example, you've just had, um, a diagnosis, right? So COVID-19, let's use that as an example. You've just heard that you've got COVID. Now, to ask someone to tell themselves to say, well, this is going to work out really great, if they genuinely believe that COVID-19 is a dreadful, dreadful thing and that their chances of recovery from it are going to be slim, it doesn't matter what you ask the brain to try and adjust itself to, because the one that has has the greatest power will still win. But if you if you were to be diagnosed with COVID nineteen, and 
your mindset was of the sort that said, okay, existence brings a lot of these things. I've been ill before. I've been ill in the past. I've had to surrender. I, I, I wait to see how things unfold. And your attitude is genuinely one of surrender and going with the flow and, and acceptance. Then, of course, whatever you tell yourself about COVID-19, even if it sounds positive, you're more likely to believe because your attitude is like that. So I have difficulty in us giving people the remedy that a positive mindset can override a negative mindset, especially if we don't believe our positive mindset. And it's just right. for the sake of it, right? But if there's an awareness behind it and your body genuinely accepts what the positive is saying, then, of course, that is the best way out of a negative loop. Um, because your awareness is carrying you forward. Your awareness of, you know, a better horizon or a better opportunity is what's actually carrying you forward rather than the sink that comes in with a lot of fear that could be in your body. Kindy Gill is my guest. She's facilitator at the Dalian School for Health and Consciousness. She's a CEO and inspiration leader and a mother of three and a nurturer of many. Thanks so much for staying on the line, Kindy. My pleasure, Maureen. How I don't want to wait till the end for this. How can people get in touch with you? Oh, um, if you they do want such to... amazing work. Thank you. Um, my website is kindigill.com, which is K-I-N-D-I-G-I-L-L.com. Um, and you can just get hold of me through that. I'm very happy to do a, a consultation, 30-minute consultation with people if there's anything that they want to explore so we can find out if there's anything for us to work together on. And, and it's really you deal with uh, troubles that are people are having along the way in life, would you say? Basically, that's it. Anything that's causing them to be rubbed against life that's, that they would perceive to call it an adversity, whether it's a relationship issue, whether it's health and health issue or money issue, um, any sense of security, fear-based, the types of things that make us feel like the rocks that are being hurled at us are too much and too much to cope with that can lead us to be depressed and or otherwise demotivated about life itself. And it's excellent work that you do. And you also do Mind Yap, which is what we're talking about now, which is an affliction. And, and dare I call it an affliction, because it is something that affects so many people. Because we all have worries in life. Nobody has a perfect life. And, and it does kind of affect us commonly uh, at night while we're sleeping, but it can also occur during the day. So... Uh, just a quick recap for the listeners who are joining us now. What is MindYap and what are the best solutions for it? Um, well, I'll just recite a few of the examples of things I've used to help myself over the years. One is to journal. And in my case, the journaling is done in two forms. One, one is just a very simple exercise to try and look to see whether the quality of the thinking that's going on is even worth paying attention to. Because as I was referring to earlier, we sort of give it more attention than it deserves at times. So just use a timer of some sort, maybe put five minutes on your clock. And in that five minutes, just start writing down uncensored every thought that goes across your thought, every thought that races by as you're writing it down, pen to paper. And then at the end of the five-minute exercise or the two minutes or however time you've decided to allocate to it, five minutes is about the right-ish time for me. Then what I do is I stop and I now read 
what I've just been thinking for the previous five minutes. And it could go like, you know, I really can't believe she did that. Did she really do that to me? I mean, I, what am I supposed to do about it? Should I do something about it? But can you can you believe she really did that? <laughs> I have no idea. But that was really her, wasn't it? It really annoys me when she does. And it, and if you look at what you've read <laughs> that's gone on in the last five minutes, a part of you will start laughing at the fact that you're taking what's going on in your head so seriously because it looks like complete nonsense when you look at it distanced like that. But in your head, you're very identified with it, and it doesn't feel like nonsense at all when it's going on like that because it's very heavy-duty stuff what's playing on in your brain, right? So just writing it out for five minutes serves me quite a lot, uh, and I know it has done a lot of good for other people that uh, have used the exercise as well. Another process to use would be as the thoughts are racing through your mind, just count them instead of like hearing the word or the emotion or the thought as it's arising. Instead, just give it a sticker number, like a number one, number two, number three. And again, what you're doing is diluting the impact and the importance of the thought just by giving it a new label. So, you know, whatever's being yap, 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 you could even call it yap, yap, yap. So as it's going on, instead of going one, two, three, four, five, you could just go yap, 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 yap. And for however long you choose to do that for, again, there'll be a bit of distance that's created between you and the contents of your head. Um, Mm -hmm. Another process that we use, which is extremely powerful, is a meditation process, which is... um, does require you to be in uh, in a space on your own because it's fairly cathartic. And with that, it's it's called the No Yes Active Meditation. It's created by a lady called Madara Eliza Dalian. And the first half of it is very, very profound music during which you use the word no. The middle portion of it is silence which is 15 minutes long. The first part was 30 minutes long. And the final part is yes, which is also 15 minutes long. So you can see the no proportionately is twice as long as the yes, which is how you end the meditation. And so what with this, you have your eyes closed. And you were up against the clock. I'm so sorry. I have to cut you off there. But I'll definitely get you back (laughs) for further um, information. Okay. Because it is outstanding information. Kindygill.com. You got questions? She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. Welcome to the second hour of the Sunday Night Health Show on this Boxing Day. In America, we don't celebrate Boxing Day, so I've had to get used to that. But uh, in this hour, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the nocebo effect. You've heard of the placebo effect. Well, there's a nocebo effect as well. And as promised from the previous hour, which I didn't get to because I was yapping too much, (laughs) going to be talking about the different types of COVID tests that you can get. And I do want to give a shout out right now to a couple of friends of mine who, you know, their Christmas was, um, let's see, rescheduled, shall we say. because one has had unexpected, has had an accident, has had unexpected surgery. So my dear friend, you know who you are. I'm hoping that you recover very quickly. And then I have another very good friend as well, who's had a, um, gotten the news of a diagnosis that 
nobody wants to get. And uh, I'm thinking of you and all of our friends are as well. Your health is your wealth. And uh, that is just so important for us to remember, especially at this time of year. And so wishing my two friends and all of you out there, good health and effectively good wealth. But uh, did your Christmas plans get thwarted from COVID-19? Well, many people's did. Dinners were canceled. Flights were changed. uh, People found out that they were positive and that put a whole new spin on things because this Omicron variant came upon us rather rapidly just before the holiday season was about to kick off. Well, Steve is on the line and he is joining me to talk about how COVID canceled his Christmas plans. And he has his COVID Christmas story to share with you. Good evening, Steve. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah. You know what? It's day five now. I'm a lot better than I was a couple of days ago. My, uh, my son was probably the sickest out of the family. We tried to be super careful. We're all double vaccinated. We, we went to one event a week ago and my son went and played hockey and we're not sure which one it was, but, uh, Lo and behold, on Monday night, my son started to feel off. On Tuesday, he was quite sick. On Wednesday, I started to get a tickle in my throat. I booked off work, and yeah, we got tested on Christmas Eve, and we were actually three of us were positive, and my wife wasn't, but she was pretty sick. So we talked to the doctor, and he said that test must have been wrong because there's no way she would have escaped it with the three of you being sick. So thanks for sharing your story tonight, Steve, your Christmas COVID story. Let's just step it back just a little bit. So about a week ago, you said you went to a a hockey event or was it a hockey game? No, my son went and played hockey and half of his team. Oh, he played hockey. Yeah, half of his team uh, tested positive within days of that hockey game. So maybe somebody's in the dressing room and and we met up with some friends and we know so many people that have picked up COVID. you know, we at work, I wear an N95. I'm a first responder, so I wear an N95. My wife works in healthcare. We're super, we're super um, conscious of not getting this, and, and we got it. And so, you know, we had, we had Christmas, and it was good as a family, but there was lots of coughing. There were some high fevers, and, you know, my son's O2 sats went down to 93, and, you know, the short of breath is the big thing while you go to the wow. hospital, but... We know a lot of people in the hospitals, Maureen, I know you do. And, you know, the hospitals are running the staff, too, because all the nurses and some doctors are testing positive. Oh, ab- absolutely. And in fact, they've changed the guidelines for healthcare uh, practitioners. But but let's get back to your family again. Um, now, was everybody fully vaccinated? And by fully vaccinated, I mean, having had both shots of an mRNA vaccine within um, six months within that six yeah. month period. And I guess my question is, is anybody due for the booster shot? Yeah, we're, we actually, my wife and I phoned last week to see if we could find out if we could get our booster. And they said, you'll get a text. So we were waiting for a booster, but, uh, yeah, we didn't get, we didn't get it in time before we got COVID. So. Right. But did you, are you due for your booster shot? Yeah. Are you overdue for your booster shot? Cause I know in British Columbia, they're waiting an additional two months uh, to give the booster shot. So, um, you, typically it's given, um, you know, you have your first, uh, first two doses and then after six months you can get your third dose 
first two doses within three or four weeks, depending on which vaccine you had. And then your next one at six months, were you due for the, um, the booster? Yes. We all had our second shots in June. So we were all due for our booster. December. So just now you're due. So, so yeah. you're still waiting for your booster. So which with the Omicron, apparently you're, uh, less likely to contract, uh, COVID-19 and, and to, and you're not as likely to get as sick if you've had, if you're fully vaccinated, but then even less likely if you've had the booster shot. So how do you feel in terms of having been fully vaccinated? Do you feel like your symptoms were, although it sounds like some of your family was pretty sick with an O2 set of 93 at a young age. Um, do you feel like, are you happy that you're vaccinated? Do you feel like it would have been much worse? Well, I look at my wife and daughter who both got, uh, they both got Pfizer and mm-hmm. they had no symptoms. I got AstraZeneca and a Pfizer and my son got Moderna. I think we would have been sicker. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing we would have been. I mean, they didn't really have any symptoms. My wife lost her voice and she tested negative and she has a cough, but my daughter had no symptoms. Uh, and my son had a fever about 103 on Tylenol for about two days. So he okay, was pretty wow. sick. So he sounds like he was significantly ill. Yeah, he was. He was. We were actually nervous of him. That's why we started measuring his O2 sets because we he was he didn't leave his bed for a couple of days. He was really sick, like 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 having a bad flu. Yeah, yeah, that, which is very very frightening. I think it's very scary. Um, you know, for people just don't want to get COVID. And I mean, fortunately, I'm glad you're feeling better. Is your son feeling better as well? He's super tired, like he slept about uh, 14 hours today. He was just up watching Ted Lasso, so he is feeling better. He just says he feels super tired, so I think we're all through the worst. The doctor said three to four days for Omicron, and then it moves on, and we're right at that four- and five-day mark, so I think that's it. I think we're I think we're good now. We just got these deep coughs. Right, and which can persist, actually, for weeks after having recovered from COVID. Yeah, uh, and my wife doesn't have a cough, but she sounds like Kim Carnes, so she's got a very raspy voice. So, <laughs> but you know, the could it? I mean, are they pretty sure that that was COVID? Or because I've heard of some other people getting laryngitis, and it's not COVID. That there's other yeah. bugs that are going around, but yeah, um, I, we did yeah. test positive three of us. So I would say yeah. in my wife's case. It, it would be I, th- I don't know how she would escape it uh being around yeah. us like a, a, that is possible i guess yeah now were you like, having anybody over for a christmas dinner or were you going anywhere yeah we had family and friends coming and uh yeah no on christmas eve we we shut everything down it was just the four of us and you know what to be honest it uh it wasn't so bad being together it's just that we were sick and yeah, I just, you know, I, I honestly didn't think we would get sick being double vac- vaccinated. I was a little surprised, uh, especially how sick my son got. And even I was pretty sick, but I was surprised. I got to be honest, I I didn't think we would get sick. Right. But with Omicron, people can still get sick, but it is that reduction in hospitalizations and deaths. That's actually the critical piece um, about about it. So, and I think a lot of people who aren't for vaccinations or just feel like you're going to get it anyway. They just think, well, you're vaccinated and you got it anyway. But what they're failing to understand is that it is the impact on our hospital resources. And so, you know, one could say because you're vaccinated, you did not have a negative pull on our 
healthcare resources. And fortunately, you're a first responder. You said your wife is in healthcare. And so you knew to get an oximeter. A lot of people may not know that they can pick one of those up at the drugstore um, or, or order one on Amazon. It's a good thing to have in your home because once people start desat desaturating, their oxygen levels go down. That can be an indicator to go into the emergency department. But, um, you know, watching your wife being in healthcare and yourself, you're able to assess um, somebody in that regard. And, and you likely um, have less of a case than you might have had had you been unvaccinated, because we are seeing that this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I rarely get sick. Like I for four or five years, I rarely get sick. And uh, my son seems to every couple of years, but we don't have a lot of sickness in our family. I don't know why that is. But man, I, I was sick and my son was super sick. So I think that, you know what, I think it did do something for us. So I wouldn't want to see what it would what it would be like unvaccinated. I would not want to go through that. Right. And now did you have PCR tests? Yes, we did. Uh, you, we did. Did you have an antigen test first and then get a PCR test, or did you go straight for the PCR test? No, straight to the PCR test. My guest is Steve. He is a first responder. His wife works in healthcare, and his entire family, except for his wife, um, uh, tested positive just before Christmas, Christmas Eve, in fact. Steve, thanks so much for staying on the line. Yeah, no problem. Lots of talk about testing these days. The PCR test is the gold test, um, is the gold standard test. Uh, it's interchanged. The term inter PCR is interchanged with molecular tests. Um, and so tell me a little bit about your experience with testing. You, you all were sick, it sounds like, for um, a few days before you got tested, or how did that work? Yeah, uh, basically, where I live, you can make an appointment drive up you don't even leave your car and then they they stick the swab up your nose and then they take it away and they get back to within 24 hours that's that's how it was working before christmas now it's up to a five-day wait um i don't think i don't think they're doing it that fast anymore so did you get your test on christmas eve and get the results the same day or did you uh, test beforehand and get the results on christmas eve no we christmas eve morning and we did get them that that night Oh, okay. So you got them back in on that same day, basically. Yes. And so did, I'm hearing that they're not testing that the, you know, there's some subjectivity to the, to the testing and some people are getting sent away with a, um, home, an at home test, um, or they're not testing some other people. I just got the sense from looking on watching on TV that some of these people weren't sick who were standing in line for three and four hours. Uh, what, did you have any difficulty getting the PCR test when they asked you, if they asked you if you were sick or anything? Well, when my wife tested negative, we tried to phone back to get her tested again. And they basically said that they are overwhelmed. And the gentleman my, my said that uh, my wife may have, may not need to get tested. And he said, we're booking into January. So that happened within a matter of 24 hours that wow. I don't know if they were overwhelmed. I don't know if they're worried about test kits, but um, it sounds like something changed over Christmas uh, that where they're so overwhelmed with, I, maybe they're running out of tests. I don't know. Uh, it just sounded like something changed in that 24 hour I think hour a lot period. of people, 
Yeah, I think a lot of people went. I mean, I've certainly heard people say they made up the fact that they had symptoms when they didn't. And they just, my sense is that there's a lot of people that they were just checking before their Christmas dinner uh, to make sure they didn't have it. And which is, you know, pretty unfair and pretty useless because, you know, on Christmas Eve, you can test negative as, as perhaps your wife did. And then on Christmas Day, you can actually test positive, even with a PCR test, if you don't right. have enough viral load. So when you pulled up, did they ask you your symptoms, your age, anything like that? Did all that on the phone. And then when you pull up, they just do the test. Uh, they they okay. check your ID. They take your health care number. They already have you registered. <laughs> and then they, uh, they just do the test. And away you go. It's pretty slick. But I, I think it... it got a lot busier after the moment we were there, it sounded like. I'm sure. And uh, fortunately, PCR tests correctly diagnose 95% of COVID-19 cases and correctly rule out infection 99% of the time. Um, And that's in the laboratory setting. So uh, clinically out in the real world, um, it could be a little bit different. But if you want the most accurate test results, the PCR test is certainly the way to go. Steve, sounds like you're coughing away there. <laughs> um, and, and I don't want to keep you on the line too long because your recovery is important, but I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story. And listen, one time I had to reschedule my birthday, so you might have to reschedule Christmas, okay? There you go. <laughs> Believe okay, me, thanks, it's better the second time around. You're welcome. I hope the family is all feeling well soon. Yeah, we're all doing a lot better. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week.